0: as egotistical stubbornness. All of this needs to be said as a foreword to this work by Larry Witham, because what he has produced here is not simply a detailed account of Kern's dispute with his former employer, the Catholic University of America. It is also a chronicle of our age. It tells the story of the struggle between two ways of looking at the world, at our times and at our church. As a reporter for The Washington Times, Witham covered the Curran story as it unfolded. He had the advantage of being present at the trial and interviewing lawyers on both sides. Drawing on these sources and on the extensive written record of court proceedings, he has compiled the most comprehensive account of the Curran case yet done. To his skills as a reporter, Witham adds the ability to thoroughly contextualize current events through an energetic effort at providing the historical background for the issues raised by the case. The result is a very responsible, very complete telling of the story that will satisfy the heartiest appetite for detail. Witham rightly sees the whole affair as a missed opportunity to deal with the conflict between authority and freedom in a positive, fruitful way. I should simply like to add that although one might have imagined a more happy ending, it was unlikely that things would have turned out differently. Despite what many of our best minds in this century and in the past would have hoped for the future, there remains a tension, perhaps a fundamental tension, between democracy and church authority as those ideas have been understood by Rome and by citizens of our land. On the eve of Vatican I, Pius IX, drawing on the inspiration of Gregory XV's Mirari Vos, issued the syllabus of errors that explicitly condemned the idea of separation of church and state along with the notions of popular sovereignty implied in liberal democracy. Obviously, the church has come a long way since then, and the Second Vatican Council, with its American-inspired Declaration on Religious Liberty, was a milestone on that journey. But a century, despite the mad hype of futurists of today, is simply not a long time in the history of an institution nearly two millennia old. The tension between personal liberty and authority then remains. Normally the tension can be ignored, usually the cautious, the timid, and the wise who represent the majority of the church's middle management prevail and preserve the delicate peace. Rather than be shocked that the current affair happened, we would be better advised to be thankful that the battle was fought in the courtroom and not on the battlefield or at the executioner's stake, as it has been at times. We have only recently begun the arduous task of working out the proper balance between liberty and authority, and much needs to be done. In this patient and objective account of the current case, the fundamental issues with which the church of the 21st century must deal are presented in the real context of human conflict, frailty, and virtue. We can ignore this important work only at our peril." John Farina Preface Newspaper reporters in the midst of long developing stories have often asked the question, is there a book to be made of these events? That newsroom chemistry sparked this account of the current affair. It met all the requirements for a bell-ringing newspaper story—conflict, change, personalities, a historic institution intrigue and drama, not to mention religion and sex. Yet behind that daily commotion stood lasting concerns worth deeper exploration. The current story reveals a struggle over first principles, a headlong quest for faith, harmony, freedom, and religious authority in our world. As religious writer at The Washington Times, I covered the Curran affair off and on since 1986 and finally gave it concentrated attention in December 1988 by attending the eight-day trial. Curran had sued the Catholic University of America for breach of contract. In February 1989, the court ruled in the university's favor. Three months later, I decided to write this story and the basic text was completed by November of 1989. I came back to the manuscript at the end of 1990 for final revisions. The book attempts to achieve four goals. The easiest has been to present a readable narrative. In telling the story, the second goal came almost automatically, to make this a book of record. This has been done by focusing the account on the eight-day trial, a crucible into which the whole twenty-year dispute between Curran and the Vatican flows. Narration of the trial itself is the third goal. There are several ways this could be done, from describing select highlights to laying out the chronology of testimony. In choosing the latter approach, I have risked that the trial portion of the book might read like a dry legal transcript rather than the terse dramatic dialogue of a Hemingway story. I have tried to do both portray the trial record and muster a colorful narrative to keep the trial narrative uncluttered the background subjects have been set off in their own preliminary chapters here too the leaning is toward a simple treatment of topics such as the magisterium moral theology and catholic higher education their condensation perhaps excludes the nuance experts like to see but the intent is to state succinct themes. My fourth goal, like Hercules' twelfth labor, has been the hardest, for it goes against the grain of most daily journalism. If not a sharp or partisan point of view, I have at least given this book a theme to stand on. The theme of authority and freedom in conflict produces my point of view. Roman Catholicism is a tradition of hierarchical authority. Some wings of the church are calling for a Catholic democracy. I have begun with the church as it is. Judges do no less. The courts have ruled that the highest governing body of a religious organization, in this case a pope and his bishops, defines what it is. Reviewing the books and articles on modern dissenters or free thinkers in religious bodies, I found that a particular theme is pervasive. The plot is David against Goliath, the heroic individual versus the authoritarian institution. If only to be different than these types of accounts, I have not assumed that a dissenter is an automatic hero. As Catholic theologian Avery Dulles once wrote in the journal America, dissent should be neither glorified nor vilified. Its value depends on the circumstances. I have tried to recount the circumstances fairly and have left it to the reader to make the value judgments. Almost the entire book has been written from the public record, whether newspaper accounts, church documents, or the trial transcript. Because of the amount of material available and the disputes over interpreting it, I did not interview any of the principals in this story. The only exceptions were the chief lawyers for Curran and for Catholic University. I'm therefore indebted to Paul Saunders, lawyer for Charles Curran, for his interviews and detailed corrections on the trial chapters. Likewise, Kevin Bain, lawyer for Catholic University, was extremely helpful in interviews and in reviewing the text. Two of this story's main actors, William J. Byron, president of Catholic University, and Curran, have written books published in the aftermath of the trial. These works have further informed me on their views. Byron's Quadrangle Considerations, Loyola University Press, 1989, is a collection of his talks on higher education. Charles Curran's Catholic Higher Education, Theology and Academic Freedom, Notre Dame University Press, 1990, includes reflections on his legal case. I am also indebted to the Curran work for pointing out to me in my eleventh hour of editing a few more facts, sources, and quotable quotes. About the same time that galley proofs of the Curran book were available in late 1990, a history of Catholic University was also released. The Catholic University of America, a centennial history, Catholic University Press 1990. By Professor and Provost Emeritus C. Joseph Neuss, helped confirm and hone my brief version of the university's history. I should also thank Pope John Paul II for making 1990 a year of significant Vatican documents on the issue.